0: Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Javen. I'm an international online health and fitness coach and if you want to increase your confidence, improve your self-development and have a bulletproof mindset, this is the podcast for you. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe depending on whatever podcast app you are using. Today's episode is going to be amazing. I can't wait to get into it. Let's go. Welcome to episode four of the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm your host, Javen Palmer, online health and fitness coach. And today we've got a very, very special guest. He has a master's degree from Morehouse School of Medicine in Public Health. And he's currently studying for his PhD in law at Lancaster University. Mr. Develle Heath. Little clap, little clap. Yeah, a
1: little uh, clap. Work clap. I've asked
0: everybody so far if they liked my intro, so I just need to get your approval. Was that a good intro? Yeah, it
1: was a good intro. Good uh, intro.
0: Cool, man. Cool. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on. Obviously, it's brand new podcast, early days. I really thought long and hard about like who can I get on to start it off. Who am I going to have the best conversations with? And when I knew you was in London, and we met up yeah. the other day. He was one of the first people that popped in my mind. So thank you, thank
1: firstly. You. And how you been? How you finding I've been London? Good. I've been good. Thank you for inviting me, man. Finding London is, is good. It's good, man. Um, it's a new experience. You know, I've been in many, many cities, but London is interesting and yeah. it's still locked down. So I'm curious to see what it's like when it's open. when it's open. So yeah. I've heard good things. I've heard some bad things, but <laughs> we
0: shall see. Cool, man. So, you know, the whole premise of this podcast for me is to kind of discuss confidence, self-development, and also how health and fitness has played a role in that in people's lives. And also to discuss like resilience and the mindset of overcoming difficult times in our lives, which we all face, right? So in terms of giving the listeners some context, we kind of met randomly while I was studying at Georgia State University. I can't even remember exactly how we met. We met like in a hall and I was wearing a soccer, yeah, so like it was a very random meeting, but you know, your energy, your vibe, you know, I could I could just click with you straight away. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, some people you meet them and it's like, the energy is right. So, but what I noticed about you straight away and kind of what drew me to you as a person was just that you were very open. You know, like you're very, very open. You're very comfortable with who you are. And we're going to go straight in with some, some questions about you as a person. Like in, how did you, develop and become this person who's so open where for a lot of guys, and I'm gonna even say a lot of black guys, we can be quite withdrawn. We can try to be this macho sort of kind of person, but you're like very open. But like how did you, where did that come from? Where does that come from?
1: Where does it come from? I think it comes from, honestly, I think I got lucky My 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 dad and possibly my grandmother as well. The way I was raised, I was raised not to be embarrassed, mm. not to be awkward because it's really about your perception of what other people think of you. Mm. So once you dispel that, and we'll get more into that, once you dispel that, then it really doesn't matter. And then one thing that I learned is that a lot of people, were more alike than different, right? And once you realize that, you realize the experiences that you've been in, a lot of other people have been through that as well. They just get to talk about it. Mm. So it's just experience, really and being comfortable with yourself.
0: Yeah, okay, cool. So being comfortable with yourself. So would you say, so let's talk about like your childhood and kind of the adversity you faced. Right now, you know, you're from the outside looking in, obviously I don't know how you feel from the inside, but (laughs) you're very confident, you're very outgoing, you're very, uh, just as a personality, you're quite out there. Was you always like that as a kid?
1: No, not not always. I've never really been shy. When I was younger, I think my dad, he used to actually make us go speak to people, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that was something that I'm I'm grateful for. But um, I was never like that. I was one of the, I'm extroverted if I need to be. When did it change, though? I think in high school. I think in high school when I was probably about 14, 15, I got to a point to where I was kind of tired of being like in a shell, really. Um, I was just tired of it. And then I remember like my freshman year of high school, I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna just put myself out there like and experience everything like rejection, people clowning me, roasting me, the triumphs, the trials, all of it, so.
0: So when you was a teenager, that's kind of when you was like, cool. Okay, cool. That's interesting.
1: I think a lot of us come into ourselves around that age anyways. Yeah, Yeah, so.
0: For sure. But you know, it's it's interesting you say that because what you just said now, I only feel like that now, and I'm 25. But like when I in secondary school, I think that because I played sports, I think I was that was tied to my identity so I didn't see myself as anything outside of just a footballer because I played football I played for a professional academy that was all I could see I couldn't see that I'm actually a person who who has other interests and I care about other things, but in my mind, I think when you're in that environment and you're trying to become a professional and chase your dream and there's a lot of kids listening who have played football, or played football at a professional level, they can relate that you don't actually think about anything else. You don't get a chance to develop as a person, you're just like a robot. Yeah. I was like, so I was a robot. <laughs> that's how I felt. That's cool, that's interesting though. So
1: high school. Yeah, you know what? I wanted to say something because you were just speaking and it sparked something in me. So I was like, I wanted to put myself out there, right? Yeah. And experiences is what get me to you know put myself out there. But when I was in high school, I played American football. Right. And my dad, I remember he was like, you know, I wanted to stop playing American football, but he was like, if you stop, I don't know how you're gonna get a scholarship. Because I was also like, I'm a I'm a footballer, right? Or kind of football. I'm a footballer, I'm a footballer. And I actually stopped because I didn't want to play football anymore. And when I stopped, I really start finding myself. Mm. Right. That's when I really start finding myself so. Yeah, bro. So
0: would, would you say that your identity was tied to your it sport? It was definitely.
1: It was definitely tied to sport. Like, it was. Like, all right, I'm a footballer. I'm going to go to these camps. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm looking at schools. I only wanted my grades to be good because... You wanted to play. Yeah, to play football. <laughs> so once I stopped playing, you know, I did fall off, right? I Once I stopped playing, you know, I got into some trouble, you know, but I was finding myself, right? I was finding myself, so, uh, yeah,
0: Yeah, and let's talk about that, finding yourself, because I think that it's crazy that I think even now, there's a lot of adults who don't actually know, they don't actually know themselves and they don't ever take the time to get to know themselves. They're just wrapped in kind of what everyone else is doing. For you, what were some of the difficulties in that journey of kind of just becoming becoming you? Like, what was difficult I about think
1: that? The, the most difficult thing was being like an outcast, yeah. right? Whether... I was doing something trendy or not like, whenever you finding yourself, the best way to find yourself is to do everything. Like anything on your plate, you eat it, right? Within reason. So I'm in the black community, you know, let me try ballet. I did that in college, let me try ballet. Ah, what are you doing ballet for, you know? Mm. you know, And it's just like, I wouldn't know. You don't know until you try. So I think the best thing is like the judgment and how you handle that judgment, you know? Right. How how like can you take that when somebody judge you, can you take it and continue on your own path? Or are you gonna stop and continue on the path that you know you was given
0: yeah and and it's funny you say that as well because my previous guest, I said something to her, we spoke about how like sometimes women are a little bit scared to go in the gym and lift weights because yeah. they're worried that they get like gym anxiety. Yeah. And I was saying, isn't it interesting that we're worried about what someone else is thinking, while they're worried about what we're thinking about them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, that's just such a crazy, it's a crazy concept, right? Like it is. We're so worried about what people are thinking, but they're really, they're thinking, what, we're, what,
1: what are we thinking about them? And like I said, people are more alike than then, different, right, right? right? We go through the same things like- It's true. Man, when I was in college, I would have conversations with people. Again, I'm open and transparent and, some conversations I'd be having. He went through it. He went through it. She went through it. I say something else. She went through it. He went through it. And it's just like, bro, we people. Are we going to speak about it or not? Right.
0: It's true. It's true. Cool. So you mentioned a little bit about rejection and kind of in that process of accepting yourself and being who you were in high school, you know, you opening, opening yourself up to rejection. I've got a episode, a solo episode, where I literally talk about rejection and some of the things that happened to me So how would, what are some of the big things in terms of rejection that's happened to you? Whether it's relationships, whether it's friendships, like even if it's like a life situation, career, how have you dealt with that? What are some of the big things that you could potentially talk about? like?
1: Well, I think rejection, how I look at it, and I've grown to this, rejection is just, it's a gift. It really is a gift and it's a, uh, I say it's a milestone, Mm. right? And it's a way to success. To be honest with you, and I know that's cliche, but it, it really is, you know. How have I handled rejection? At first, you know, how do anybody handle rejection when they first get rejected, right? You get rejected by a girl, you know, by a school. It's just all about perspective. Is this me personally, or is it what I put on paper, right? If I apply for this job, it's what I put on paper because they don't know me personally, right? So if they don't know me personally, then don't take it personal. That's what I say about rejection. If they don't know you personally, then don't take it personal. I like
0: that. I'm going to have to quote that. I like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and also, you know, again, I'll speak about this later, but confidence, you know, that's what confidence really is, Just can you be yourself in the face of rejection and adversity? Are you still okay? Mm. So, yeah.
0: Cool. I like that. So kind of to double back a little bit to you mentioned about, you know, being a black guy in a predominantly black community and doing ballet, right? obviously something like that is not very common yeah. for us to be we're not we're not usually in those kind of circles doing <laughs> doing ballet or yeah. whatever so how have you dealt with other people sort of things that they've said to you and what are some of the things people have said to you when you've decided to do things that are a little different that are not very common you know i feel like with black guys right we 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 always when you're young you have visions of kind of doing only a limited amount of things play sports be a musician maybe maybe some performing arts like acting or something but we're very or limited in the business yeah or run a business we're very limited in what we kind of see like like as a kid honestly I could never I could never tell you that I had any dreams of doing anything about playing sport right I could never imagine being a doctor or being a surgeon or you know like that's just not something that ever entered my mind so I think that when I had those blinkers on because I had blinkers right that's like that's all I could see I never really wanted to do anything else. So I never tried anything else. Mm-hmm. So the thought of, like you said, doing ballet, I could only imagine what some of the people around me would have been saying to me if I was doing ballet. Yeah. So I'm not trying to say, I am not. I don't want to talk about ballet specifically, but if you've oh, done you anything, do yeah. what are some of the things people have said to you? Like whether it's negative, positive, like um,
1: well, if you can
0: think back to anything
1: specific. I can think back to something specific. I remember when, in college, like my junior year, like I really was just pushing my limits, right? I won't say pushing the limits of society and all that, because it was never to be different. It's just, I never say I was different. I was just brave enough to be myself. And I remember it was one year, my junior year, I got elected to, you know, do our fashion show at my university. And I wanted to prove why, right? I felt like I was the best dress at my uh, school. So I said, you know what? I'm going to wear what I want to wear and I'm going to make it look good man, I put on dresses, I put on skirts, everything, you know? I I would have put on some heels if I felt like I look good in them. And then everybody, you know, oh, is he gay? He bi, I don't care what he say, he must be gay, he must be bi, he weird. <sighs> Somebody called me autistic, bro. I was like, that's just disrespectful on so many different levels, but... And then I got people who called me brave and some people who commended me. But you know what got me through that? It was... I would have conversations with certain people, right? I don't care about a lot of people's opinions. The only opinions I care about is if, the if people that's closest to me, right? If I give you that power, right? So the people I gave that power to, they perceived me the way I wanted to be perceived. And once I realized that, that gave me such a confidence boost. Not even just like in my physical self, but my internal self, mm. right? So. Once that person that I loved and I cherished said, no, I see you how you see yourself, right? And sometimes people don't get that, right? So if people don't get that, I would caution them to find that person, right? And not to necessarily reaffirm you, but find somebody who can see you for who you are. And that's how I got through my rejection, bro. That's how I got my confidence and more.
0: So you would say that having a strong circle or a strong group of whether it's friends, family, like a strong support system, play the role, play the yes. role in that.
1: Yes, and not yesmen, right?
0: Like people are gonna be real with yeah,
1: you. Yeah, like people say these, they say these things, and it sound like cliche. But no, man, like not yesmen. Somebody will tell you, like, you know what? I don't know about that, bro. Like, I got this one friend. We debate all of the time. Like her name, you know, her name is Aaron. Shout out to Aaron. We debate all of the time, but she'll tell me straight how it is right and i always respect that but she tell me out of love not disrespect not like she hating it's out of love and some people they just use to yes man and again it's about looking inside yourself cuz sometimes people they they want to change stuff they have problems but their personality is the problem and if you don't change your personality then you're not changing the problem that's interesting
0: i think that yeah i think a lot of people the the support system is a really 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 critical piece in just li- in life in general, because I think that is, is, we don't really value, we don't really understand the value of having a strong, solid support system. And some mm-hmm. people, unfortunately, they don't really get the opportunity to have that depending on certain life circumstances and whatnot. So you mentioned two things that I kind of want to pick on a little bit. First of all, the dress sense. And, you know, I always see you on your IG flaunting, you know, <laughs> like the dress sense and then also, people say, asking you, are you gay or are you bi? So the reason I'm asked, the the reason I wanna pick on that is because in men, right? There's a lot of, there's this idea that we need to be macho or we need to be hyper hyper masculine, blah, blah, blah. Right? So when we see guys doing those kind of things, whether they're wearing dresses, nail varnish, so on and so forth, they get these questions like you had, right? Oh, is he bi, is he gay? Now, you're a straight guy, right, yeah, yeah, from all right that so sexual side of the spectrum how when you first of all, how did that make you feel people asking you that right?
1: Like, you know what at first, obviously, I was offended because I grew up like my dad is a macho dude, right,, right. so I'm like, you know, I'm gay, I'm bad, yeah, like, but then when you really think about it, right, you get educated, like why is somebody's sexual orientation an insult, right, right, you know what I'm saying, so yeah. why why is that an insult? Then on top of that, it's just like when you really think about it, gay people by some of the strongest people I know personally, right? right? I don't know anybody who would choose to be oppressed. So, <laughs> it's true. It's yeah, true. you know, so once I realized that I said, "Nah, it's cool." You know? And then I just like went on with my life.
0: So, okay, so then now that so obviously you dealt with that really well. Yeah. You can you're happy to wear whatever you want to wear, so on and so forth. I didn't so, have my hiccups though. Okay. A so, couple
1: swings. <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> so, dealing with that did that make you more comfortable with your sexuality, because you 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 knew I'm not gay, so why why do I care what?
1: You know what it made me. How did it make me feel? For a second, it made it did make me question my sexuality. I was like, you know what, am I? And again, I was younger, right, so I wasn't as educated on you know sexuality as I was. But I said, am I? Am I? Am I gay? I'm not attracted to men, right. you know, but would I ever? you know, take that step. And internally, I was like, I wouldn't take that step. But it made me question it. And then it would be certain girls that I liked who would tell me like, you know what? You know, you just too, like, I I like you, but I can't be seen. Uh, yeah, I can't be seen with you. So it's like, no matter, and I pride myself on having my confidence and self-awareness, but when somebody that you like tell you that and you hear that from multiple people, it could tear you down some, right? So it makes you wonder. But luckily, again, back to that support system, you have people that, to reaffirm you, to you know hold you up. So yeah, man, but it was tough. Yeah. Especially being black, I'm not gonna lie, like, even when I was younger, my dad used to ask me every really? week. He used to every week. He might disagree, but literally almost every week, every month, are you gay? If you gay, tell me.
0: Wow, so exactly. your, dad, your dad would be awesome. My dad yeah. would
1: be like that, everybody. Wow. Everybody, yeah. Okay. It was
0: tough. So how, how did you deal with that? Your dad asking you what the time like?
1: I would tell my dad, uh, nah, I would tell him no. I would tell him no. Cause my dad, he wasn't like pressing the issue. Like he would ask me. I'm like, nah, he'd be like, oh, okay. But I think my dad realized as I got older that I wasn't gonna stop doing me. Yeah. Because he had instilled in me, be yourself, right? No matter what you do, if you're gonna sell drugs, you better do it yourself you better be the best drug dealer, right? Obviously you don't want me to sell drugs, but be yourself. And the older I get, you know, if I wear nail polish, if I, you know, do something that somebody would consider questionable, my dad is just like, well, at least he's himself, right? Right. So he always let me know that. So that helped, but nah, I mean, it was, it was really tough, but I think sometimes you have to be self-aware and self-reflect. Yeah. A lot of young black men don't self-reflect because we was never taught how to self-reflect and we don't know the importance of self-reflection. Right. And then when we do self reflect is bias because we see ourselves through society. We see ourselves through how black women see us. We see ourselves through how white people see us. Right. W.E.B. Du Bois has a concept called double consciousness. And basically, we see ourselves how we see it, and we see ourselves how white people see us. Right. So, black men with some stereotypes that we're macho, we're sexually superior, we're athletes, we're musicians. So, we look and we're like, well, I can't rap. I can't sing. Okay. I can't play sports. Okay. I I don't really want to own my own business. Okay. Damn. Am I even a black man? Right. You know. Yeah. So we have to dispel those biases to even self reflect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because you can't self you can't self reflect properly if you yeah. don't free yourself from those sort Bro, of ideas. Okay. You're not looking
1: at a mirror. You're looking at a picture. Right. Right.
0: Yeah. No. So, that's yeah. That's that's real. That's real. Okay, so you mentioned a little bit about the confidence side of things. And I did ask you about, you know, if you was always, if, if it developed as a kid, but even before high school, before you started kind of stepping out a bit more and just being like, you know what, I'm just gonna do me. Even in that process, was you, before that process, was you confident? And then, or did you feel confident? And then even after that process or during that process, did your confidence ever shift? obviously from like right now and from looking at you it feels and it seems like you're a confident person yeah. but was that something that developed as you started to step out of yourself a bit more yeah. or was it something that was always there like how how would, so, what would you say in terms when i was of your younger
1: confidence? when i was younger like i said i i, I was intentional about becoming confident by putting myself out there but when i was younger when i was a kid i wasn't confident because you know, kids get picked on for everything, right? No matter if you're short, if you're tall, you know, you dark skin, you light skin. Kids get picked on for everything. So, I think you may be hard pressed to find anybody who said was confident as a child, right? But I think my parents, and a lot of parents don't understand this, but my parents never made me feel worse than what society made me feel. Some parents do that, so I'm grateful that my parents never did that. So. Everything that I felt was because of like society, but not my parents. So I at least knew that the people who loved me didn't feel this way about me. But to a- answer your other question, confidence, I think, comes and it goes like any other emotion, right? It comes and it goes. But one thing that I did, I faked it until I made it. I faked it until I made it. And, and once I realized how I was perceived when I would fake it, That's when I actually became confident. I can't tell you how many times I'm going to a party. You know, I don't pass the look back test. You know, she she twerking. She look back at me. She, you know, she don't trying to give me no play. And I go to another girl and I go to another girl and I go to another girl. And then I realize it's how you approach those girls, right? Or if I walk into a building, I could walk into the building with my head low. Like, I don't think I'm gonna get this job, right? And although I may think I'm not gonna get that job, you could be damn sure I'm gonna walk in there. I'm gonna look that man in his eye. I'm gonna shake his hand, I'm gonna smile, I'm gonna puff my chest out and I'm gonna speak. And by faking it, I became that, Mm. right? And I don't even know if I could advise that for other people, but I know that's what worked for me.
0: Right. It's like the concept of speaking things into existence. Exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah. I explained this to my friend and you know, it it depends on what you believe. Law of attraction, speaking into existence, but that's what I did. And you know, some days, you know, I, and I deal with mental health. Some days I may, you know, be depressed, but I got a presentation. You're not gonna know because I'm gonna walk in that room and I'm gonna act like I'm an expert. I'm gonna act like I'm an expert in this field. And because confidence allows you to people to see you before they see you. They can see you before you even speak. It's that energy. Like you said, when we first met, right? It's that energy. So it's very important to have confidence. But yeah, you have to understand that it's gonna waver. Right. But how do you handle that? Right. And
0: I think that it's I can tie that back to what I do as a as a health and fitness coach is sometimes when I get some a client that calls me or something, they might say, uh, I don't think I'm ever gonna be able to do 10 push-ups. And I'll be like, Well, you just told me you can't do it. So you can't do it. Because you're telling yourself you can't no. do it. Right, if you already put yourself in the box. You can't get out the box, right? If your mind is in that box, it's, it's just not possible. What you need to say is actually, I could do it if I tried hard enough. And that's kind of how I approach things. I think that I've never really felt, me personally, I've never felt like that because, I think because of sport, yeah, I've always I've always felt like I could do everything. And it could be naive. I've never felt like that, but I think it was because a childhood of just playing sports and just it just pushed me. I just always... I never felt like oh there's anything I couldn't do,
1: yeah.
0: whether that's wrong or not. No, it's know, not wrong. That, it
1: does have its uh, drawbacks. Yeah, right? like because <laughs> you
0: you know you might have an inflated ego, you might have
1: or get crushed when yeah, it doesn't happen exactly
0: because you're putting yourself on such a pedestal.
1: But I do have a question for you though you about go. confidence because you said you always typically been confident, right? Yeah. Has there been something to where you were like you know what I don't know if I could do that, so I'm not going to do that whether intentionally or unintentionally, to safeguard yourself?
0: I think if I think about maybe going to school, secondary school, I can think about certain subjects that I didn't like doing. So I just didn't try because I just thought maybe I don't want to be the person that's not good at that. So when I think about that, I probably think about math and art. But in terms of anything else, and that's I feel like that's such a small thing, in terms of anything... As an teen, older teenager, going into my 20s, not really. I've always just felt like, I just feel like I could do anything. That's just how, I even feel like that now. Like right now, sitting here to you, like my dream as a kid was to be a footballer, right? I didn't make it, right? So I'd never achieved my dream. Right now, I'm not living my dream. But I can say, honestly, I genuinely feel to myself, if I gave everything to try and to still get a professional contract, I feel like I could do it. I would have that. I really feel like I could do it. It's the hardest thing to do, you know. There's like zero point zero one percent of kids who want to be footballers in England make it as footballers. But I still think there's something in my mind that was like, if I really like, I know right now I'm not dedicating myself to doing that, so I'm not doing. I'm not. I'm not doing that. But in my mind, I just feel like, if I really like, if I said, okay, look, I'm gonna train every day like a professional. I'm gonna quit my job. I'm just gonna dedicate full time to football. Obviously, I wouldn't have any money which is why I wouldn't do that. But yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I did, I feel like I could still do it. And I don't know, there's just something in me. I feel like right now, if I wanted to do music, I could probably do music. I used to do music okay. as a kid. I probably could do it. But I think a lot of the reason that, I, a big reason why I have that mindset is because when I was a kid, like you said, about having a support system, my older brother would always say, you know, you can do whatever you want, you can do whatever you want. You know, and I think that that just always stuck with me. Like, you know, you can be the best player if you want to be the best player. You know, you can be the best writer if you want to be the best writer. You That's can be great. the and I just, I think that always just so I always I always have that in my mind. So when I talk to my clients, like I say the same thing to them. Like, you know, like you keep saying that you can't do this, you can't do that. You've got to start changing the language you use because the language we
1: use man
0: uh, really affects us. Bro,
1: I didn't really realize that until 2020. Right, the language that you use really can change your whole outlook, bro. You definitely correct.
0: And like, so like, even if I've, when I used to do in-person coaching, I used to get some clients who would say, I'd say, look, all right, we're gonna do push-ups, and I'm gonna go straight into pull-ups, you know, something like that. And they might say, oh, I can't do that. And I'd be like, no, we don't use those words. When you're working with me, this 45 minutes or one hour training session, we are not using the word can't. Yeah. If you use the word can't, it's 10 burpees. Like, I'd just be like, I'm giving you a punishment <laughs> for using that word because I hate, I just hate that word. Like I just, I don't like that word. I just don't like that word. Like why would you ever limit yourself? And I think, I don't know, just in my mind, it just, I just don't, I just feel like- Well, that's a good mindset Yeah, I think, I think that, but I think like, obviously not everyone can have that and everybody has different experiences.
1: Most people don't have that.
0: Right, as to why they feel they can't do certain things, but I always just feel like anything's possible. But that kind of leads me, I spoke a little bit about fitness and I kind of wanted to talk to you about fitness. Because even when we first met, you you asked me about running, yeah, about some running drills. So, throughout your journey and throughout your life, what obviously you played college, high school football, right? Yeah, I played rugby in college as well. Okay, wow, rugby too. And I know you do a bit of Muay Thai. So, how has health and fitness played a role in your confidence, in your mindset, and just uh, in those two main things? How How was health well, and fitness?
1: I think it played a big role. It played a Well, a significant role, obviously, at the end of the day, everything is is internal, right? But I feel like men in general, whether you black or white, we tie our physical fitness into our confidence, Mm. right? I feel like it's just a thing that's been instilled in us. How strong are you? How fast are you? But it it, it played a significant role. I had some times where I'd be like, I'll work out, I need to look good. And then sometimes I need to be healthy. And sometimes I need to be better at this sport. So, yeah, man, it it did play a role, a big role. And sometimes the role was bigger than what I wanted it to be, especially around like spring when you want to get that summer body. It's a lot of pressure on yourself. Or when you play a sport, it's a lot of pressure on yourself to meet that time, you know, hit that drill. But for me, I look at it as health now when I look at it. And that's just that what works for me. When I look at it as health, I take less pressure off myself. Uh, and I'm able to do things in moderation. I'm able to take it more seriously and be more comfortable with the things I'm doing. I know for a lot of people, if they don't reach a certain, you know, milestone at a certain time, they just quit, especially when it comes to working out. And, you know, you can't you can't do that. Mm. So I think you have to tell yourself what you need to tell yourself to get there because you know you want to get there. Right? And the pain of Disappointment is worse than the pain of discipline.
0: All mm. right, uh, mate, giving me all the quotes yeah. today. <laughs> I learned you that the, the pain of
1: disappointment is worse than the pain of discipline. So which one?
0: That's a fact. That is a fact. And it's interesting you say that the people, when it, when it's tied to a really aesthetic goal, yeah,
1: man.
0: you give yourself more, more chance of quitting. And I hate quitters. <laughs> like, I hate quitters. And I know, like, you know, some people will be like, oh, you know, but not everybody's built to do certain things. You gotta be, but I just can't. Like when someone keeps saying, you know, I can't do this and I'm gonna I, I'm gonna stop. In my mind, I'm just like, it just hurts me. Because <laughs> it hurts me because I would never quit. Like there's certain things I just feel like, the only way I would quit, it's gonna hurt other people. Like if it's yeah. gonna hurt my family, if it's gonna hurt me, I will quit. But if, if it's not if it's if I'm quitting because something's a little bit too difficult, then that to me, the reasoning is not enough. Like so you you would say that right now it's not necessarily about an aesthetic goal for you. It's more about health.
1: Yeah, I would say it's about a, uh it's more about health. Like obviously I, I would like to look good. Yeah. You know, obviously I wanna look like one of the guys on the magazine or something like that. Like, you know, guys have body image issues as well. Yeah. That we really don't talk about. So obviously I would like that, but again, it's health. Like the older I get, and I'm not that old, but the older I get, the more that I learn, especially about, you know, men's health in general, because a lot of men don't know about our health issues, especially Black men. Mm. Health is the number one thing. And then, if you really want to be honest, I have a lot of girlfriends. The aesthetics, what we consider conventionally attractive, that doesn't get every girl, right? That that doesn't get every guy, if you like guys. Some people like dad bods. Some people like the shred, sure. You get what I'm oh, saying? You so? know, it's funny
0: you say that because I remember when I was a teenager, I remember there was this one girl that I really liked. And one day, obviously I played sports. so I was in good shape, yeah. six pack. And you know, even having a six pack as a teenager, you're like, yeah, I've got six packs. This girl, I see a picture of her boyfriend and I was looking at him and he just looked like a Oompa Loompa. I was like, what? <laughs> no. So why doesn't she like me? And I think I didn't realize, like, like you just said, that doesn't just because I got a six pack and I got a big chest and I got it's arms, doesn't mean I can get every woman that I want, right? And it's it's, it's, it's you, when you said that it just sparked it in my head, yeah. like,
1: just to tie this back into what I said earlier, putting yourself out there, experiencing things. When you experience people, right, a person, in their thoughts, then you learn. You learn from these different people. You learn from these women. You learn from these trans individuals. You learn from these gay individuals. From these black men, white men, bro. Like everybody, you know, they got their preferences, whether it's problematic or not. But some people like, yeah, some people like dad bods. Some don't. I've met some girls that's like five nine, five ten. They love short guys, right? I could walk around here and just be like, oh man, I'm short. Society don't like me, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs>
1: but I know there are people out there that like that. Yeah, right? yeah. And people don't. Yeah. And it goes back to confidence. Confidence is not where they like me. It's, well, I like myself through this. Mm. That's what it is. Will I like myself through this. Not will I. Actually, I do like myself through this. Right. You don't like me, that's cool. You like me, that's cool too.
0: And that's, that's confidence. That's, that's confidence. what confidence is. It's true. And I think that, so if I talk about myself for a minute in terms of the pandemic hitting and me deciding to build my own online coaching service and stuff, I think I had to take the reins off a little bit and be a little bit like, okay, I've got to start making content because you can't be an online coach who doesn't have content online. You can't be an online coach who doesn't post on Instagram. And I'm not really, I I use social media, but I don't consume it like other people do. I don't post like other people do. But now I realize, okay, look, it's a business. It's not personal. It's a business. I had to take myself out of it. But the, the fear and the apprehension before doing it was that how will other people see me, yeah? Am I gonna be coming across as salesy? Am I posting too much? Are people gonna be irritated? Are people gonna follow me? Like, those are all the things that I question, but really, that stuff don't matter. Like, I'm, trying to do, I'm trying to do my own thing. As long as I'm comfortable with what I'm saying and I'm not hurting anybody, I should be, I should be all right. And I think now, I've always been confident, but I think I've reached a, a different sort of freedom so to speak. I'm happy like for you, man. When I, when I kind of stepped out in that, that sort of realm. So, obviously, I did the intro, right? We discussed, you got a degree in public health. We're um, currently studying law. So, what kind of got you interested in studying public health?
1: Um, What got me interested in studying public health was, I think when you ask anybody, like, what you want to do, or kids, like, what you want to do, and they tell you, and they, the reason why is, I want to help people, I want to help people, right? That's always it, but... Yeah. I genuinely, I genuinely believe people do wanna help people. So I wanted to help people. I was like, how best can I help people? And like a lot of black teens, I went through a phase where, you know, I was out here in the streets, right? Mm-hmm. And I always credit certain organizations to me being where I am, like the Boys and Girls Club, other organizations that were there, mentors and things like that. So I said, you know what? I wanna put another black boy, even if it's one in the position that I am in from that jail cell to getting a PhD if you want, or getting a JD or an MD if you want. So I said, okay, and public health is a perfect way to do that, right? Especially again, me being from the States, black people have like the worst health outcomes. And I knew that, right? My mom is somebody who has not the best health. Thank God that my dad, he had the, you know, he in pretty good health. So I'm like, okay, how can I change this? In a good way, is public health, right? I even thought about, you know, going to medical school, but I said, nah, public health because you're helping the society, right? You're helping a group, you're helping a group. So I said, okay, let me do that. So I concentrated in, you know, community health, social epidemiology, and, you know, I don't regret it. I don't yeah. regret it. Wow, so, so for you, it about giving back. It really was about giving back. And again, I know that sounds cliche, but bro, I know so many people, I know so many of my friends, like that one conversation sent them on another trajectory, right? He had a conversation with a drug dealer. Now he in prison. He had a conversation with a black doctor. Now he a lawyer, right? And it was just that one conversation. And if you can get that one person, because somebody who don't know it had a conversation with me and it sparked something in me. And now I'm here right now.
0: So how important is it then for us, especially as black guys, but anybody really that you can see people that are not necessarily that are in like lines of work that we don't always see as glamorous or that we don't always aspire to be. And we can it's tangible, like we can actually yeah. conversate with them. Because for me, I can't <laughs> like in my youth, I don't think I've ever met a black doctor, right? Same. <laughs> I've never met, I've never met one. Like, and I just think that like that's a bit weird. Like, yeah. So how important is that?
1: Bro, it's so important. It is so important imperative. Like again, when I was younger, where I'm from, the highest paying job is selling drugs. Literally. When I was younger, the same here, you know, Oh, I want to play football. I want to rap. Right. Bro. It is so important. How do you think so many black individuals get into academia? Right. Nobody grow up like, Oh, I want to be a philosopher. You got black nutritionists, you know, black veterinarians, black people at NASCAR. You got black people everywhere. But it's very, very important, bro. It's very important, but it's also, the responsibility lies on that person who's in that field. You have to give back, you have to give back. And I went to, I went to a predominantly white institution, a PWI, but I also went to a HBCU, a historically black college university. And one thing that they teach you is to give back, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Like Kamala Harris went to Howard, and Howard is a HBCU, right? That's in DC, right? Yeah, in DC. Yeah. Bro, pay it forward paid for it, and I can't tell you how many times. Even here, I was having a conversation when I was on my way over here, right? You get into this, this space, right? Where there's public health, you know, where there's marketing, and it's a black individual that say they're in HR or say they higher up than you. It costs nothing to grab that black person, pull them off to the side. Hey, this is how it is here. Even if you don't contact me, this is how they are gonna may perceive you. This is how you succeed. I've had so many of those conversations and I'm so grateful for those people even if I wasn't even gonna be in that field. I, I worked in fashion, and I knew I didn't wanna work in fashion, but I'm a fashionable guy, black guy, older, he was an older gay black dude, right? Put me aside, like, hey, sexuality aside, it don't matter. This is what it's like to be a black male. First, when I went to university, uh, my mentor, Tierney Bates, he, he from Cleveland too, put me to the side. This is what it's like to be a black man. This is how they're gonna view you. It's so important, and for those people who are in those fields that's not popular. Speak to those young people, man. Mm. Speak to those young people, it's so imperative. It bro. is important because
0: even when I think, also I think think back to a time when I moved back to London and I was trying to get a job and stuff and I I had an re- interview to get a job at, at a gym, a big gym, a big branch of gyms in London. And I went for the interview and the, the, the boss, or well, the second in charge was a white lady and was having a chat and she was having a great chat. And then she was just like, I think my manager's really gonna like you. She's gone, she's gone out. She's got the manager, the manager's walked in. It was a black guy. And I think he saw that like, my eyes, so I was like, you know, cause yeah. <laughs> there isn't a lot of black gym managers. Like he yeah. owned a whole gym in London, in Paddington, which is quite a wealthy area in London.
1: Absolutely.
0: And he's the manager. So when, when he saw me and I saw him, I was like, I was just like, I looked up, I was like, okay then we we had a chat and then at the end of the end of the chat he was just like look i can tell you're a great guy and i'm glad that you've had the interview because we need more people like you and hopefully you are taking some inspiration in seeing another brother in I this love position I love and that. i was just like at that moment i was like yeah i'm going to take the job i didn't take the job in the end but like yeah. it it i it kind of just made me feel like i never had that before Bro, I never had that before because even when I think about football and it's a big conversation going on in football in the u k right now yeah. is there's no black managers there's not there's not enough black coaches, so there's not so and it's interesting because but there's a lot of black players, right? so why can't why can't the black guys become coaches too? and but yeah, so when you said that, like just
1: but you know here's the crazy thing about that, right? You see how you remembered that? Do you see that's what I'm saying. Those are memorable things. It, it it doesn't take that much, bro. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. So it's imperative, but I'm glad, bro. How, how did you feel after that, though? Like, did you feel like, you know, I'm in the right field? How did it make you feel other than being like, well, other than seeing another black person?
0: I just think that, I think that when you see something like that, it makes you more open to the possibilities of what you can achieve. So you, you kind of, stop setting yourself limits. And you realize, all right, cool. like I can be a manager of my own gym. I can do these things. It's not like I'm gonna be on the cover of Forbes, but it's still a big deal. And sometimes I think that we get caught up, especially in the social media age, is we get caught up in wanting to be, having all these designer garments, We want to be on every blog website. We want to be the main person. We want to be an influencer. If you're not
1: top three, then you nothing,
0: basically. That's that's a little bit, and it's a little bit, it's clouding what success is for people. Yeah, because not everybody is going to have a Benz and a five bedroom house, you know? Not everybody's going to have the best looking in commerce, inverted commas, the yeah. best looking woman on their arm. Like these things, you we're not, we're not living in, it's not Grand Theft Auto. We're not, it's, it's real life. Yeah. And I think that <laughs> sometimes, you know, when I see this guy and I saw this guy and I see him in a position, in a good position, making good money in a in a predominantly white area yeah. where the most of the managers and the directors of business in that area are probably white. Like, to see him there as a manager, as a black guy, it's a bit like, well, you know, anything's possible. Anything, like, we can do that. So
1: that's love, bro. Yeah, and I
0: think that is important. Representation is important, and we need more of it, to be honest. So, a big part of what you're doing as a part of your studying for your PhD, obviously, you've got a big bit of research that you're undertaking. So, I'm not going to talk about it. I want you to just give me everything. Like, what? What are you researching? Like, explain everything. So
1: right now I'm researching male rape, men who were sexually assaulted by women. And I'm focusing specifically on black men. And it's a couple of reasons as to why. So I was going through the research. First of all, as you can imagine, it's not a lot of uh, research on male rape in general, right? And the research that is on male rape is in prisons, right? So when we think about men being raped, we think about prison, right? Dropping the soap and stuff like that. But men are assaulted, sexually assaulted by women at a very high rate. But it's certain barriers that's in place. And I'm gonna go through the barriers, right? So the first one is the stereotypes. Men can't be raped. You can't be raped by a woman. You see how big you are? You can't be raped by a woman. Push her off you, right? The next thing is say you was. You don't know if it was or not. You just know how it made you feel. You don't know. Her telling you, you know what, I'm going to just go mess with somebody else or I should never came over here. Right. You're not a real man. You gay. You don't know that sexual coercion means sexual violence, means sexual assault. So you don't know. You just know how it make you feel. And then if it does happen. Should I tell? Am I going to be taken seriously? Who can I report it to? Who can I go to? And if you report it now, it's external. Are they going to take me seriously? Should we take him seriously? How can you be raped by a woman? And then on top of that, so you have those things, right? And then on top of that, you have an extra layer of being Black. So I remember when I first did my research, I was going to focus on all men, right? And then the George Floyd situations happened, and I became even more pro-Black. You know, I'm pro-Black. I came even more pro-Black, got in my studies, reinvented myself, start to understand myself and my people more. And I reached out to my supervisor, who's a white woman, by the way, from Northern England. I reached out to her and I said, hey, I want to focus on black men. And I'm I'm grateful for my supervisor. And she said, you know, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Right. So I got a good support system. Always important. And the extra layer that black men have is our stereotypes are different. Right. For white men and other men, it's just you a man. But for us, it's a we're hypersexualized. We're fetishized. A lot of black men don't understand that they're being fetishized. bro. Uh,
0: you know, what? I want to have mixed race babies. I want to have mixed hate, race nah. babies. Let, we'll or, leave that. We'll get into that in a minute, bro. Or, or it's <laughs> the, the,
1: yeah, yeah. She'll fuck you, but she ain't gonna take you home, right? Get out, get out. That's I love that movie because that is a perfect thing. A lot of, but a lot of guys don't care to when they're fetishized because they never really get fetishized, right? But me, being me, and Looking at these things, researching these things, that's a big problem, right? So right now, I'm part of my research. I'm doing a literature review. And I'm looking at it during slavery times, right? And colonialism. Bro, we were sexually assaulted by white men, by white women. And that's all of that set the set the tone for what happens now. I'm pretty sure you heard this. Hey, stay away from the white girls, you know. They they're lie. Even if you didn't do nothing, they a lie, right? And I'm not saying by any means that the majority of women lie about being sexually assaulted, right? Because the majority of women don't. 98, 99% of women do not lie about sexual assault. But it does happen, especially to athletes, especially to black athletes. There's right? a
0: lot in America as well. It College happens, athletes get it a ex- lot.
1: Man, so, so, so much. And they don't understand you were being fetishized. So we have these stereotypes, right? And then you have the fact of what happens, the consequences of those stereotypes. like. You know, the Emmett Till case, he just looked at a white woman. So it's this concept called uh, rape by eyeball, right? So rape by eyeballing. So back in the day, you look at a white woman, you automatically assume, well, they automatically assume that you wanted to sexually assault her. That's what happened to Emmett Till. Many other people, black men were lynched. So that adds an extra layer because white men and other men aren't sexualized like we are. Mm. And here's the thing we internalize these sexual stereotypes, right? So when a black man, I speak to a lot of black men about a lot of sensitive issues, right? I'll tell you an instance, I spoke to a black man and he wasn't confident in his his size. He felt, it wasn't that he felt less of a man, he genuinely felt less of a black man. Because we are taught that we are hung, we should be able to last longer, we should be better in bed, we should be all of these things. And, you know, a lot of men want to be these things. But if we don't meet that standard that society put on us, then we're nothing at all. Mm. And that's the gist of my research. So that's why I'm focusing on black male rape. And it happens at a very, very high rate, but a lot of men don't report it. Right. And that's like the biggest thing. And that's going to be like the biggest obstacle in my research. It's like, you can't get, actually can't get a lot yeah. of statistics from people who've actually. Exactly. So I'm doing primary uh, research which is I'm collecting it myself. right? And again, I've had conversations with guys, and they've been very comfortable. Obviously, you got to make somebody comfortable in that situation. So I think I get a, a good sample size. But yeah, man, it's, it's very it's very difficult. It's very difficult.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. So in regards to to the in regards to the idea of or not even the idea, in, in regards to men being raped, black men being raped, and the conversations that you've had so far in your research, how have have you had any conversations with them about the trauma and coming back from that rape and kind of, you know, rebuilding their confidence? Yeah. Just developing themselves as people after that, after that happens. Because yeah. you obviously you hear a lot of women talking about it, how it takes them a very long time to get mm. over it. Some of them can never truly get over it. Right. It's always going to be with them. Have you had any conversations with men about that?
1: Like yeah. I have. So the thing is, sexual assault is different for every person. Man, women, child, trans, it's different for every person. So there's no one-size-fits-all. Like That's just that. Some men, they brush it off because it fits the sex role. Well, like, ah, I mean, at least I hit. Like, did you hit, (laughs) though? You were forced. You get what I'm saying? But uh, I mean, I, I, I hit, I ain't never hit her up again. I never talk to her again. When I see her, I have anxiety. When I think about it, I get depressed, but I hit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, and then you got some guys who really they they cool, they cool on the surface, and then I say what I do, right? And then macho guys, right? Macho, they'll put me up to the side. Oh man, you know, you know, you gotta speak their language. Oh man, you know, I mean, something did happen to me, but I ain't really tripping. I'm like, okay, you know, I'll play play the thing. Ah, oh, it's cool, it's cool. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, she, I was drunk and you know, basically she took advantage of me. Right, And I'm just like, okay. And you can see that it affects them. And the rebuilding process is different because other traumas come into play, right? So when you think about confidence, some guys be like, man, why, why couldn't I push her off of me? Why did I let her do this? What, what kind of man am I? Again, right? Because it, it's that, that, that gender role, like, am I a man? So I talked to them and I explained to them, like, bro, a man and masculinity is this, whatever you defined it. That's what it is. Masculinity is whatever you define it as you, your person, not what society define it as. So that's what a lot of people grapple with because they're not meeting that definition. So first I'd be like, this is what you define it as. Can you stick to that? And then a lot of times people just need to come to terms with the situation. How did it happen? And then a lot of times self-blame, like, man, I shouldn't have been drinking, or I should have just told her, like, did I lead her on? Nah, bro, like, it's never, it's never you. The victim is never the victim. Like, it don't matter if you put yourself in that situation. It don't matter if you felt like you let them on. Nothing warrants rape. So, just having these conversations and genuine conversations, like, people gotta be brave enough. And sometimes they're not brave enough, and that's okay. And, that, and I tell them that, too. Some people don't want to talk about it. Like, they want to talk about it on their own time. And then it's the way that you talk about it that matters. I was having a conversation with one dude. We were just playing Call of Duty. It, it came up during Call of Duty. I tried to talk to him about it before. He was like, ah, nah, I'm cool. We playing Call of Duty, right, mindlessly. Oh, yeah, man. Just, man, this one time, this girl. So you find where they're at. It's all about comfortability. Make them comfortable. Speak to them. Reaffirm them. Bro, your feelings are valid, right? Don't let society tell you that they're not. Define your situation yourself. Define your masculinity yourself. Define what success in this situation looks like yourself.
0: So, with that then, because it's not ver- it's not something that's very common, right? It's very it's not very common at all. So, well, it is, but it's just not very known, right? Exactly. Rather. So, with that being said, Female rape or rape that happens to women is something that's quite prominent in the news. It's something that we know about. It's like, we know it shouldn't happen. And there's, I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but for women, there's probably a bit more of a support system. There's more of a rehabilitation process. With With men, do you think that because it's not very common, and bec- as in, like it's not very commonly spoken about, and it's not very out there in terms of the statistics, that there's not really an opportunity to have a rehabil- rehabilitation process because there's not like it's not very known. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So,
0: so no, no. Would no, you say that that's that's correct?
1: That 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 is correct. Like in all countries, I think there's a couple organizations in the UK who focus specifically on men. Okay. Which I don't know if any, not even in the States, not in Europe. And I'm pretty sure there may be some, but I think that's phenomenal. So shout out to the UK for that. They focus specifically on men and men who are assigned male at birth. So non-binary individuals and trans individuals as well. But no, you're definitely right. And I don't fault anybody for that because it's like the majority of it does happen to women, right? It does. But I think in society, we think Either or, right? Either yeah. this
0: or it's that. Either that or yeah. yeah,
1: and not and. This yeah. happens to women and men. And if anything, we, we speak a lot about the trauma and the terror that men bring to the world. And this is, this AIDS in it, men being sexually assaulted, AIDS in it. But we don't remedy it or we don't try to remedy it. You got some organizations here and there, but they scrapping for funding. But no, there's no rehabilitation process. Like at all, you have to. A lot of men have to handle this on their own, and they turn to self-medication.
0: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and you're right. This, this society is this or that, right? It's such a black and white. It's like you can't be, you know, you can't. It's like you can't like two things at the same time. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, it's it's not right because it doesn't allow people to have open conversations. Exactly. And I always find it like, and I don't want, I don't really want to bring in any politics, but I always find that politics kind of I feel like politics makes it worse because it's like it's, yeah. it's politics is the I'm gonna be driver with you, for you it. You
1: can't talk about it without bringing in politics because it's true, you know. And this is your podcast, but I'm gonna say it, it's like just because something happens more and this happens less does not mean it shouldn't be talked about, right? right? I and that's the truth. Like just because trans women go through this does not mean we should neglect non-binary individuals, right? It happens. Let's address it all at once. But you know, you're definitely right, bro. Politics play a a very big role into it.
0: Because it's like, for me on the outside looking in, and obviously I lived in America, when I think about the politics, right? I think, okay, Republican, Democrats, and it's like, we hate you, you hate us. We hate you, (laughs) you hate us. You say this, we say that. And I I had a conversation the other day with a young lady who's in America. She's in New York and we was talking about COVID and mask and the lockdowns. So. Without getting too political, like I don't really support lockdowns because I think it destroys businesses and so on and so forth. But I was saying to her, like, why has it become so political over there? Cause she was saying basically that like people who are saying no to mask and no to lockdown are usually the Republicans. Yeah. And then people who are like lockdown, mask, everybody stay apart, they're the yeah. Democrats. Like, but that look, COVID is a virus. Well <laughs> a virus doesn't have any politics.
1: Yeah, exactly. A virus
0: doesn't care whether you're democratic or, or black or white yeah, doesn't woman. Care. Child, yeah. so, like, that's not politics. it should just be, this is a science and this is what we should do. Like why does that become a political like well, and and that just that I think that like, just causes more problems because then we can't have conversations where I have an opinion, you have an opinion, and it's not like I hate you. We yeah. just uh, we just disagree. Maybe we could
1: find out who's wow. actually right and yeah, why like Well here's the thing, bro, and I and I say this and If you don't get anything from this or anybody don't get anything from anything that I said, whenever you discuss an issue, a world issue, context is everything. Context, 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 bro. A lot of people, and I'm black American, I'm pro-black, I'm an activist, I'm an academic. I'll be the first person to rip America to shreds, right? But you have to understand a country's history. You have to understand their people. You have to understand these things. The reason why America is the way it is right now, is no lie, it's because of Trump, right? But during the Arab Spring, the Arab Spring was like in 2012, and you have all of these Arab nations fighting, going to war, which causes a lot of immigrants, right? to Southern Europe, Southern and Western Europe. During that time as well, you had a lot of violence in Mexico. You have a lot of Mexicans and South Americans going to America. Coincidentally, it was a wave of nationalism across the whole Western world. You got more nationalists in the States. Oh, we don't want those immigrants here. You got more nationalists in uh, Europe, you know, Germany, France, Norway, the UK, Oh, these immigrants, these immigrants. And they are taking our jobs. They're taking our jobs. They're taking our jobs. Everything came more political between 2016 to now. And I don't know if it's a coincidence. I think it is, but Racism became more overt everywhere, right? So now it's a, even if I believe you or even if I have the same mind as you because I'm on this side, I have to be on this side. So it's not a, I'm trying to understand you. Like a lot of people, they don't have conversations to understand. You can understand and disagree, right? I understand your point, the lockdowns, right? I have a different opinion on lockdowns, but hey, I understand, all right, I disagree. But now you disagree, oh, you a bigot. You racist. You misogynistic. You misandric. That's society at this point, man.
0: Yeah, and I think you can't have conversations properly because of that, and you can't have healthy debates. You can't. And how do I? And we can never progress because, essentially, even if we have political ties, and I don't really want to drag on politics too much, but even if you've got a party, political party you support or whatever, a government is a government for everybody. So should be. Yeah. Yeah. So if. If people from other sides can't come together, then how do we make progressive policies for everybody? It's only going to help one section of people because they're the ones that want this yeah, thing. Yeah. So that's, a that's why with the, convers- the Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, the-
1: without getting into it. Yeah, yeah I-
0: like it's just yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah I just want to wrap this up. I want to ask you one last question that was that I really think was important to kind of end on, and it was just in terms of we spoke about like the macho men and hyper masculine men. And there's a lot of men out there who, you know, they feel like they need to be a certain way. They have to fit certain roles in order to be a man. And I can talk to this for myself as in like, I felt like when I wasn't working, if I didn't have any money, I couldn't be a man if I didn't have money. Right. I couldn't be a man if I didn't have a woman that I really, really wanted. Like I couldn't have. I couldn't be a man if I wasn't in the best shape possible so on and so forth. like, And a lot of that affects how we feel, right? And it affects how we think about ourselves. But what would you say to the men out there who are trying to be this hyper-masculine, macho man that actually probably isn't them and they, they haven't reached that level of comfortability with themselves yeah. like you have? Like what are the things that, what are the practical things that some of the men out there can do to just yeah learn themselves gotcha. and be cool with themselves. Like what would you if there was a if there was a blueprint you could give to yeah. somebody, like, yo, start trying this meditation, yoga, whatever, what would you say yeah. are some of those things?
1: I would say, well, obviously it's easier said than done, right? That goes without saying. And I spoke about it a little bit or um earlier, is you know, defining masculinity for yourself. But practically, you need to really sit down and just be like, okay, I believe you're the sum of the five people that you hang out with. Really sit down with yourself, like, because you know, you know, like, man, I don't really, f- like, I don't really fit in with these guys, but they cool. You know, these are my guys, but it's something like, ah, I want to I wanna paint. We over here doing this. I want to paint. Sit down and evaluate yourself. Really, really evaluate yourself. And you don't have to remove yourself from that friend group or whatever, but love yourself. And when I say love yourself, I mean be intentional about loving yourself. Loving yourself through action. So even if you gotta go out by yourself and paint, then do that. Even if you gotta, you wanna put on rollerblades, you know, none of your homies is around, you wanna go rollerblading, then do that. When you intentional about loving yourself, everything starts to change. Because you, say you've been loving yourself for a whole week, you get around your homies, you're like, man, this is not, it comes, it comes naturally. You be like, man, this is not it. Like, all right, yeah, yeah, I'll see y'all later. And then you start finding like-minded people. And these like-minded people, you'll start to understand like, man, oh, okay. He want to do yoga. He want to meditate. My men, they can't even sit on the floor and stretch to the left side because it's gay. It it resembles a split. You (laughs) know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you start meeting like-minded people and everything starts with intentionally taking actions to love yourself.
0: Right. Okay. So you would say to kind of summarize that, like a big, big point there would be, you know, Almost like put, put yourself first.
1: Put your, bro, be selfish. Be self. And I'm not saying, you know, like if your mom needs some money, like, nah, I need to focus on myself today, right? But I'm saying be selfish <laughs> with your, with your with your pleasure, with your enjoyment. Be selfish, bro. And be brave enough to do it. Yeah. Because when you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody, including yeah. yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And even if it's one day a week, then two days a week. Yeah. Even if it's just on a Sunday, yeah. be intentional about being by yourself and loving yourself. Yeah. And I promise you. Yeah,
0: you hear that fellas? Be intentional about loving yourself. All right, man, first of all, I wanna thank you. I really appreciate it. Before I kind of wrap this up and let you go, in terms of the research that you're conducting, like when are you expected to kind of be done with that? Like what's your time uh, frame?
1: My time frame, because right now I'm doing my literature review, the next, in the uh, next couple of months, I'll actually be recruiting men. So, if you know any men who went through this, you know sexual assault, they don't have to tell it to you. Or if you went through it yourself, right? Reach out to me. Okay. Make really sure you don't put yeah. my Instagram
0: so out I'll there. So I'll put I'll put all all of those details in the description, whether it's on Spotify, YouTube, Google, yeah. whatever. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So make sure you reach out if you. And will it be anonymous? Like, can can? Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's going to be anonymous. It's going to okay. be anonymous.
1: So and. It's, it's very very helpful man like it's very helpful even if you don't want to be used and you just want to talk that that also helps right cuz it gives me context yeah so i'm going to be doing that and then i should be finished with the whole project in 2024 it's going to be a while so wow. phd okay. so phd but this these type of things takes time yeah right yeah. especially finding part- participants but that's going to be the hardest thing
0: yeah right Yeah. yeah. All right, man. Well, I want to thank you for joining me. Really appreciate it. Guys, hopefully you found some gems out of that. I definitely got some gems out of that. Make sure you like, subscribe, give me a rating on Apple, all that good stuff. Boom, we're done. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. If you are someone who has been struggling to get in shape, you want to lose some body fat, you want to feel better about yourself, and you want to build some lean muscle mass, as well as transforming your confidence, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my social media and just ping me a message. I'll get back to you as soon as you can. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe and tag me. Okay, tag me. I really appreciate all the support. Watch out for next week's episode. See you later.